Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Marielle. Mariella Anderson, welcome to the show. Looking forward to our, our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Very welcome. So um, Maria, Mariella was adopted from uh, Colombia and uh, you were saying, oh, it's Colombia. I, I spell I Yeah. People pronounce yeah. it wrong. I can't pronounce it wrong. Um, and uh and you said you, you said that you felt that you you grew up very uh, thankful for for being adopted. Yeah, is that, yes. is that something? Up? <clears throat> yeah, from a young age, my parents had uh, instilled in me this idea that my birth mom gave me up out of love, and she wanted a better life for me that she knew she couldn't provide for me. So that gave me a sense of gratitude that I held on to all of my life. Um, and actually initiated the search for me, uh, the search for her. I really wanted, um, of course, I would have loved to get to know her, which I did get the opportunity to do. But initially, I just wanted the opportunity to tell her thank you for the decision that you made, because I always felt that regardless of if it was out of love or, or any whatever reason, I'm sure it was a difficult decision. Um, and I just didn't want her to carry that weight of maybe wondering if it was the correct decision or not. And I thought maybe if I could just meet her and tell her thank you, that would maybe remove any uh, any burden that she might have had um, all those years. I didn't yeah. find her until I was 22. So for 22 years, uh, she was holding on to that. And it turns out that I was right and that she w- had been plagued by guilt all those years. And um, yeah, I got the opportunity to tell her thank you. Yeah. Wow. Gratitude is a funny thing in adoptee circles, right? Yeah. Um, and and there's uh, as I go on, you know, like I've done what three hundred and forty odd episodes, a lot of them with um, uh, uh, you know Americans, um, that they they say to, they say to me a lot, and I see it on social media that you know people tell us that we should be grateful, and and um, in, in the UK. That doesn't happen so much. I've never really been told that I should be grateful. So I haven't riled against it. So what tends to happen, I think, is that some some adoptees get very cheesed off, to put it gently, <laughs> to put it gently, yeah. as perhaps a massive understatement. They get very, um, they're not grateful for, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, right? So it, it, it may be, that um, the uh, the adoptive parents haven't been ideal parents, or it, it may be stemming from that that the, what people call the primal wound, right? From, from that sort of relinquishment trauma. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason it is, they don't feel grateful, and then people tell them that they should feel grateful, and they kind of rile against that uh, because yeah. it, it, it's 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 negating our feelings, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because despite me having a uh, perspective of gratitude, I also get riled up when people tell me that I should be grateful because even if I had a, you know, quote unquote success story, which I'll, you know, I can dive deeper into it. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. um, I wouldn't wish adoption upon anybody. So no, I shouldn't be grateful I was adopted. I didn't ask for this. None of us asked for this. Um, 
So yeah, I've had to learn that. Yeah, I, I can be grateful, but I can also be, like you said, cheesed off. <laughs> I never heard that expression. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I can, I can be both. And that's part of my healing journey is that I've learned that I can be two things at once. Um, you know, I can, I can have resentment, but I can also yeah. live in gratitude. So, so, uh, um, so this thing, having two things at once, um, I, I, I'm, it seems to be a little bit of a theme that's coming up for me at the moment with some stuff that I'm listening to this, this idea, the closer that we get to, to the closer we get to truth, the closer we realize there is a paradox and, mm-hmm. um, I can't say anything more than that on it other than I've heard this and it, it seemed to make sense. And then I heard it this morning or this afternoon when I was driving the car to the swimming pool. Right. And then you've, re- you've repeated it back and I'm thinking, all oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So somebody else sees that thing. Um, somebody else sees that paradox. So um, here's, let, let, I, and here's a question. So sometimes I'll ask a question and I've got an answer to it. Uh, and and mm-hmm. most of the time I'm trying not to, I'm, ask, I'm trying to ask questions that I don't have an answer to. Mm-hmm. I reckon I'm at my best when I'm most curious, right? Okay. So wh- why do we get so um, cheesed off um, uh, or, or you, you Americans would say pissed, um, or Brits would say pissed off, right? But mm, right. So, uh, this is kind of a family show, so I said cheesed off, right? So <laughs> why do you think we, as as human beings, well, no, well, sorry, why do you think you, as a human being, get so pissed off when you're when you're um, uh, your 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 feelings are invalidated? Mm. What? Why do you, why do you think that happens? Um, I I think it's because it's almost assuming that that person knows what my lived experience has been like when they had they don't know, um, you know, and and specifically related to adoption, it's frustrating because even if someone like I said has a quote unquote happy adoption story there's probably, it's probably layered with a lot of uh, identity issues, a lot of um, questions of why that non-adoptees don't really have to go through and, you know, maybe even take for granted that they don't have to go through. Um, Yeah. Like I personally, I, like I said, I, I went through a, a identity issues, especially as an international adoptee, uh, being Colombian, looking Colombian, but being raised in a white community. And um, that's had its challenges. It's also had um, a lot of beautiful parts to it, too. Um, but it's just not fair for any other person to say, your experience is good. You should be grateful that's not fair because you haven't experienced it and you don't know the the layers of this experience um, just because you see the surface. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It, it's uh, frustration is a good word. I, I'm, I'm actually thinking of a, 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 my, a personal experience that I had with my, with my dad, which was related to um, some, I asked, I asked for some help. Um, into so yeah in from a business sense right so after I asked a perspective nothing to do with adoption but he um he he 
he, he sounded like he was listening. He gave me some suggestions. Um, I thought we were going okay. And then he gave me a suggestion and, and I said, no, nah, that's not going to work And I, for this one. So he, 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 part, you know, he, he, he parked that and then he came up with some other stuff. And then about 15 minutes later, he went back to the, the, the suggestion that I'd already poo-pooed, right? I'm guessing you haven't heard that word either. Have I have heard that. You have that one, okay. Our metaphors. Um, and I actually howled. I I howled. Like in like I had a like I, I had a really visceral a horrible moment of not feeling and like of not feeling heard. Uh-huh. Like we've parked that. I'm I'm I was in a tricky situation business-wise. Uh-huh. And I needed to get it resolved. I felt I needed to get it resolved. And here he was, um, not listening to me. And I guess that 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 um that feeling of not being listened to in, in, in this particular instance was really, really acute. So if I can if I can put that that feeling, I can uh, so I can I, I can um, boost my empathy, right? So I can take that experience of me not feeling heard. And if I can overlay that onto the gratitude stuff, mm-hmm. um, that that gives me a, a better take on it because it was really, yeah, I, I howled. I, I can't, it, it, it sounds nuts, um, but I did. I howled like, you know, you why you, and I was really going off at, at, the, at, at the deep end. Um, yeah, we want to be heard, don't we? Yeah, you know, yeah. like, and like somebody tell, I, I, I think I said this on another podcast, or maybe it's just another conversation. Um, so if we're in that emotional, if we're in an emotional state about something, and um, somebody tells us to calm down, you know, never in the history of the human race has being told to calm down actually worked. Right. Oh, yeah. So I'm, you know, like I, I'm having this meltdown with my dad. Right. You know, if he said to me, "Calm down," it's just like you, 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 you're fighting some extreme emotions here. Right. Some right. stupid bit of logic, and okay. there's 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 no way. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. way this is gonna work out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it's a you know very similar feeling when you're maybe venting about your adoption and someone says, Well, you should be grateful. You know, yeah. you can go up in that situation too. I, I I'm gonna I, I'm so I've got a theory that this is a little bit more American, but I, I'm I'm gonna make sure I've got some conversations with Brit adoptees coming up. I'm gonna make sure that I ask them that question because my feeling is it's just um a, a cultural difference that Americans are a little bit more forthright. How do you feel that uh, Britons usually respond when you tell them you're adopted? If it's not, oh, you should be grateful, you're so lucky, what is it? How do they uh, Good question. Hey, I'm supposed to be asking, I'm supposed to be asking the oh, question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. Um, uh, I'm pulling your leg. Do you, does that, does that <laughs> Yeah, translate? I know that one too. I know that, that, that one. Translate it too, okay. Okay, I'm going to need to look at an idiom book, you know, an idiom book, uh-huh. idiom, an idiom, idioms that translate from yeah. UK English to American English and English don't. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so there, there, there's one that comes to my mind. Uh, so you, do you know the slang for cigarettes? What an English slang for uh, cigarettes is. Cig? That's that's one, yeah, yeah. But but, but the other a one, smoke? a smoke. Go have a smoke. Yeah, smoke. No, it, it's actually what uh, is American slang for homosexuals. Oh, a fag. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I have but heard that. You've heard that, yeah. And and a fag is also a a, a, a derogatory tor- term towards a homosexual. Yes. Uh, yeah, derogatory term. Yeah. Uh, and but it, it's also a uh, a term that they use in posh, you know. Um, British public schools, you know, where like where Boris Johnson went to Eton. So okay. a fag is is a junior kid who has oh. to do stuff for the older boy, right? They, they have this called fagging. So they have to like, I don't know, just little chores for them. Anyway, okay. so where was I going with that? Um, you asked me where, uh, what, what, uh, how English people respond to me when I say I'm adopted. Mm-hmm. They, Pretty much always go down. Uh, have you have you ever met? Have you ever thought about um, getting in touch with your real mum? Have you ever? Yeah, that's okay. that, that yeah. would probably be. Yeah, mm-hmm. we do probably. get that too because I remember um, being frustrated with that question growing up as well because the way it was phrased was, "Do you know your real mom?" And I would be like, "Yeah, she's at home. I I, yeah. I live with her. She raised me. That's my real mom." Um, but also some of that could have be could have come from, and I can't remember, I honestly don't have like a specific memory of ever having this conversation with my mom, but maybe they had my parents had instilled this in me as well. But I had this idea that a real parent is someone who is there for you every day. They're taking care of you, you know, they change your diapers, they're staying up with you when you're sick. That is a real parent, despite whether or not you are biologically related to them. So when people would ask me, do you know your real mom? I would be like, no, 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 no. You mean my birth mom or my biological mom. Um, my real mom is my mom, you know? And so I remember being offended by that. Um, but of course, people don't know any different. And that's just yeah. the word that they use. Um, but yeah, we also do hear a lot of that. Um, but I would say more so with the the gratitude thing and you should be lucky type of thing. Um, I'm sure... Um, domestic adoptees get this a lot as well but I think more so international adoptees especially those from developing countries like Colombia because they know there is a huge difference like economically and uh yeah yeah. so yeah right there yeah yeah. and and uh I I think you know um uh, America is the the land of opportunity isn't it like so it's always been it's always been about immigrants hasn't it? I mean, like, that's the whole thing. It used yeah. to be Native, I'm not sure what the, P, I'm not sure what Native the, Americans. Native, yeah. Is that the PC term for that? But yeah, it, yeah. it used to be that. And, and then, um, and then it wasn't. And then it was, it, then it was Dutch. And it was, you know, so wasn't New York, New Amsterdam. And, and then before it became New York, I live near Old York. Hmm. We just call it York. Okay. That's, that, that was a, a subtle joke. Right. Yeah, I don't. I, it's over my head. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we call it York. So I'm I'm ten miles away from York, which is like okay. two hundred miles north of London and two hundred okay. miles south of London. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, uh, America has always been about immigration. So it's this economic opportunity thing. So right. yeah, that makes actually makes sense because I don't think 
international adoption is as big in the UK as it is in the States. So there's a lot less of it. Um, Yeah, you know, now that you're you're saying that, I don't think I've met any Colombian adoptees. I'm saying Colombian specifically because that's the the group that I, I know the most adoptees from. Um, I don't think I've met anyone from the UK, but I've met people from Australia or, you know, maybe Sweden or other places, yeah. but the UK specifically, I haven't. So, so there's a reason, there's probably a reason for that. Um, uh, so in the UK, uh, a, a domestic adoption of infants does not cost parents money. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's probably so the reason right there. That's probably the reason. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, but I'm told, and I, I, I apologies if I'm wrong, I've, I've been told this, that international adoption does cost money. Correct. Right? So yes. in the US, it's probably cheaper, I'm guessing. I'm, you know, like when I, when I saw a menu pricing, when I saw a menu pricing of, uh, of adoptees, Right, it actually made me want to be sick. Yeah, I can see it. Even know. just the the word menu yeah. pricing is yeah. just well, rubbing me the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I actually did feel sick on that, uh, and it's different yeah. different prices for different colors. So, wow. Oh so yeah. I, I think this whole kind of you talked about layers of you're talking about layers of identity. We're going to get onto that in a minute. I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. Um, but if we look at layers of trauma, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm having a I'm having a strange reaction, uh, like a goose pit. Oh wow, goosebumps! Yeah, goosebumps, yeah. Um, and that so th- this for me, this is usually a good one, or a, this it, this can be good, or it can can be bad. But I'm it's more like shivers down my spine here because uh-huh. I think so. This is a bad a bad reaction going on. That idea. Um, that extra layer of trauma that 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 because you we're we, there's a price on our heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say we. I, I mean adoptees. There's a price. Right. On right. There's a price on yeah. our heads. You're opening it up for all that trafficking and all that yeah. malarkey. Now there's yeah. loads of problems in the UK adoption scene, but the money thing, the layer of trauma to do with you know you people having a value right is yeah. is something that doesn't happen for us domestic adoptees because okay. there is no price the government funds the adoptions it funds the adoption agencies it okay. and, and, and 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 because it pays it controls it right right wow. so there are lots of challenges so for what one of those is um like post-adoption support is from my understanding, pretty low in the US, but it's even lower in the UK. So wow. the the government, um, uh, if you want, uh, if you want to see the government in the UK doesn't distinguish between a, a therapist and a coach, right? Okay. An adoptee therapist and an adoption, and it and and it sets some very high financial barriers to that. Not just like how well trained you are. So there's there's a, a, a massive shortage of adoptee competent therapists because the government sets the bar so high. Anyway, so, okay. But I I think that um, yeah, it's an for me it, it seems to me you know if you look at the um, you, you look at the trauma you, dividing trauma into layers. Okay, so you've got the relinquishment layer, 
you've got the um the, the any stuff that goes on within the adoptive family you've got the the the, the lot of culture layer for, mm -hmm. for, for, for you guys uh, yep. the national adoptees you've got that um and obviously you've got the 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 lack the the lack of racial mirrors for transracial adoptees that's another layer um yep. and i think the money i think the money thing is another layer as well yeah uh, as yeah i mean but um it and 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 obviously, we're, when we're looking at these layers, it's a kind of a theoretical. It's a theoretical thing just for discussion because we don't we don't experience the layers, do we? As as as, as adoptees, it's just who who we are or, or what our right. Genders are. Right. So, um, you talked about um, you talked about the 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 layers of your identity, uh, and I know that that's something that you've. You cover a lot in your book right and i've seen the, the blurb for the book and something like that and as always listeners i create show notes from the guests socials and websites and and put those links in there so you've got a link you can check out mariella's book in the show notes right so what what does what do the what what are the layers of your identity what does that mean to you the multi multiple layers Mm -hmm. um <clears throat> i would say it would mean that as i said before being a latina raised in a predominantly white area um finding my place but also finding what what makes me feel best in terms of my identity because for example growing up you know, I was young. I, I my family was very open about adoption. I have two brothers who are also adopted from Colombia, so we would constantly, you know, the word adoption and Colombia was a, a common thing we would talk about at home. Not every day, but it wasn't something that we would brush under the rug. And I know a lot of families um, of adoptees just don't like to talk about adoption because it makes them uncomfortable. But my family was different in that it wasn't a taboo subject, and we were able to talk about it openly. And my parents uh, made us feel very proud to be Colombian. And so I held on to that from a young age. And I would introduce myself and say, hi, I'm Mari, and I'm adopted from Colombia. <laughs> and even in kindergarten, I remember doing that. And it was a very big part of my identity, um, even though I didn't necessarily know what it meant to be Colombian. I was still a very proud Colombian. And so as I got older, uh, I would start to maybe meet uh, every once in a while, maybe there was a Colombian in my class, like very randomly. I remember like in sixth grade meeting this Colombian girl and she was like full blown Colombia. Like, so like, you know, just, I mean, she was part of the culture and uh, I was being raised by Americans. So I was very much um, talking and acting like all of my you know, white peers. And, but I look, like I said, I still look Colombian, but I would almost forget that I was Colombian because I'm just living my life. And I'm, I'm just, you know, and my experience is being raised by white people. And so I feel kind of white inside now. Um, and I remember meeting that sixth grade <laughs> classmate who was Colombian. And she was like, uh, when she found out I couldn't speak Spanish, she said, well, you're not a real Colombian. And that really hurt me. And I was like, well, yes, I am. I was born there and I'm. it's in my blood just because I don't speak the language. And um, so that is uh, one thing that I always remember that it, it, I was like, wait, hold on. Now you're 
make yeah. me question my identity here. Like just because I don't speak the language and it became a, a thing where I almost felt ashamed. And I was like, can I say I'm Colombian if I don't speak Spanish? Um, and then as I got older, uh, continued to grow up, like I said, I kind of would forget it about it sometimes, um, just kind of living my life. And then I get to college and I um, find out about this scholarship opportunity that's only offered to Latin in the school. And it just helps pay for like textbooks and stuff. But the the kicker is in order to get that uh, that help, you have to attend some of these little events with other students who are also in this program. So I started going to these little field trips and it was just like field trips to go um, visit col other colleges. Or uh, I remember one time we went, I can't remember if we went bowling. Like maybe they also tried to do like fun little activities too. But through this group, I started meeting other Latins, including other Colombians. And I told them, you know, my story that I was adopted from Colombia. And they just thought it was so fascinating that I was Colombian and I look Colombian, but I don't speak Spanish. and I'm being raised by these white people and and they would tell me like oh you have different opportunities than we have and but they were really you know so welcoming and they started teaching me more about colombian culture uh taking me to colombian restaurants to try the food and just kind of took me under their their little colombian wings and i really appreciated it and it was around that time that i started searching for my birth mom and when i found her i used this group of friends to help me with translation to help communicate with her and I started to really step more into my Colombian identity during that time. And then, of course, after I found her, I went to visit Colombia for the first time. And I've been back nine times since. And I feel much more connected to the culture. But what I've learned over time is that I don't have to just be Colombian. I don't have to just be American. I, again, it's like this thing. I can do both. I can be both and be proud of both. And um, I've reached a place now where I'm... I'm glad to have both pieces that make up me. Um, but ultimately, like at the end of the day, I'm human is what I've realized. I'm a human being and it, it really doesn't matter where I came from. Um, but also it's, you know, it took a long time to do that, get to that point. And there are still moments where, you know, I go into a restaurant, um, you know, Mexican or wherever, maybe even Colombian uh, Spanish speakers around and they start speaking to me in Spanish. And now that I've been back nine times, I do have a decent amount of Spanish under my belt, uh, but I am not, by no means fluent. And so I still catch myself feeling a little bit ashamed or embarrassed that I can't communicate better than I than I can. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting difference between you know, your uh, your uh, students, your fellow students, you know, in sixth grade, the the, the mm -hmm. Colombian girl, you know, yeah. questioning yourself. Whereas right. I, you know, but at college, there's different sign. And, yeah. and I think those, um, uh, I'm glad, you, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you've had both experiences, right? Because I, I think that early stuff can, um, can can land when that stuff lands for us you know when I think about stuff I've had from uh, from other kids at at school and uh, and outside of school and it, it, it's it, 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 I'm, I'm, these are, this is coming from Brit kids right so the, yeah. other white kids but um, I lived in a posher part of town Mm -hmm. I, went, I went to a different school and I I got SH1T for that. 
mm-hmm. like uh, v- verbal, but also fighting. You know, people would wow. people would pick on us. Like me, me, and another lad who was from uh, the same town and and went to the different school too. Like nine kids. We, we were playing on skateboards or something when we were 10 or 11, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and we were, and, and the kids realized, you know, who are you? Where, oh, we go to this school. Well, that's why you don't know. And we got like, we got beaten up just because wow. we were different. Wow. And they, they used to happen at youth clubs as well. So, and, and it happened in scout, like scout group. Like I got, I got bullied for a number of different reasons. But you know, like kids will kids will pick any difference and 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 make that the point. Yeah, conflict. Mm-hmm. So people with glasses, people with glasses, people from the different school, people from right. Columbia, people people who are bigger, people who are taller, people who are shorter, people who are fat. You know, like the whole thing is like they pick uh, kids pick. They're ruthless. Stuff. I know. Yeah, it's, 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 it goes straight. It goes straight to it, and you know, as we're young and impressionable, we're sucking in all this stuff. We suck in the good stuff because we're we're looking to learn, aren't we? Curious, so we suck right. in the good stuff and we suck suck in, in in the in the in the bad stuff. So, um, but wow, you've been back nine times. So. Yeah. It, uh, and and uh, each time you've been to see your birth mom, have you have you just yeah wow yeah so I also after I found her I was introduced to everyone on her side of the family which includes two half siblings a brother and sister and a lot of cousins and then my grandparents um, uncles aunts I mean it's this huge Colombian family which is another thing that took a a little while to to take in and accept because my family here in the United States is pretty small. You know, I have uh, my parents, my brothers, and maybe like two cousins and then like just a couple aunts and uncles and that's it. And my grandparents and that's it. Um, But then I go to Columbia and when I first arrived, there was a mass amount of people waiting for me behind this big glass wall with signs and, and tears in their eyes. And it was quite the scene. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just, it's just so crazy how connected they are. And, you know, culturally too, like uh, um, Latin Americans tend to be a tighter knit type family yeah. versus the American more individualist culture where, you know, you grow up, you become 18, you move out, and then you really don't see that much of each other anymore. Um, so that's uh, been interesting too. And like I said, before we started recording, I also, I married a Brazilian man. So it's been kind of cool of being a part of his family because, you know, he's also from a Latin family. So it's this big uh, family that has all these people and I've kind of been adopted by them in a sense. And I'm getting the benefit, even though they're in Brazil, um, they talk like every single day on, on FaceTime and stuff. So I get the benefit of feeling like I have this big Latin family. And like I said, I do have this connection with my Colombian family as well, but, um, it's a little different. I would say I'm almost more connected to my Brazilian family in a way, just because he talks to them so often. And um, when I'm not in Colombia, I really am not talking to my birth family that often, except for maybe every once in a while, my birth mom and maybe my sister. Um, but everyone's kind of living their lives and they're so different. Our lives are so different. There's not a lot of, um, I don't want to say there's not a lot to talk about because I'm sure there is. It's just 
uh, or maybe the effort's just not made on both ends. I'm not really sure. But whenever I come back, I always think maybe we'll be more in touch this time. And then we never are. So wow. I don't know. <laughs> so um, I could dive into all sorts of stuff there. But I want to go back to something you said before we hit the record button. Um, and that was about um, uh, coming out of the fog. So what what was coming out of the fog for you? Because it, it sounds like it's different to some other experiences. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a little different because um, I grew up with parents that had kind of painted this pretty picture of who my birth mom was, um, not physically per se, but just like, you know, this really loving woman who just loved you so much that she gave you up to give you an opportunity at a better life. And so with that um, positive perspective of her, I think I also just subconsciously had painted a, a picture of her of just being a very beautiful Colombian woman. I'd always hear about how beautiful Colombian women were. So I just imagined her being that way as well, um, being super smart and, and uh, honest and, you know, just having her, herself together after all these years later. Like I just imagine like the ideal version of her. And when I met her, um, you know, I, I still love her regardless, uh, but she definitely didn't match the image I had in my head. Uh, she's got a lot of mental health stuff. She's got physical health stuff. She's got, you know, some lying tendencies. I, I don't know if it's from a place because she's coming from a place of survival mode, which I also have empathy for. Um, but, you know, it's just different. It's different than what I expected. And it kind of popped that little fantasy bubble I had in my mind and I started to learn more about her perspective and like why she gave me up. And yes, it was to give me a better life, but also she didn't have any support uh, from her family. Like she didn't feel she could tell them. So no one even knew about me for 22 years until I found her. Wow. And then she told them and they were all shocked. Um, so, you know, I've just learned that there's a lot of stuff from her perspective that was hard. And, and I can see how giving me up was very difficult for her in her life. And um, she did tell me recently that she just started going to therapy. So I'm really thankful for that. And I hope that she can, you know, start her own healing journey. Um, but yeah, and also I think uh, something else I had kind of fantasized about once I had made contact with her, you know, initially, I just wanted to tell her thank you. But after I made contact with her, I was envisioning this idea of like, us just having this natural mother daughter bond, and it just being this like spiritual connection, and we could read each other's minds type of thing. And that was not the case at all. I feel a lot of times very unseen and unheard by her. I don't feel um, that she'll ever fully understand my perspective because of cultural differences and because of I mean, I don't know what else, honestly. Um, maybe there's other layers to it. Um, but yeah, it's been a difficult relationship to have. And sometimes I feel like finding her opened a can of worms. <laughs> um, and one thing that has been like a reoccurring theme with her is that um, because of the economic situation in Colombia, like she is more in survival mode. And, you know, they have this perception of Americans that we have all this money. And like I told you, I work in the school system. So I'm not like, it's not raining money over here. And she continuously asks me for money and for help. And she'll tell me these stories of how she's so desperate and she, you know, can't pay her bills or, um, 
you know, recently it's that she has teeth problems and she's in a lot of pain and, and it's really hard for me not to want to give, but at the same time, I've had to learn that it's not my responsibility. And so that's something that I'm currently still trying to find the balance between of like, when can I give and when, uh, when, when do I need to say no? And, and yeah, that's something that I work through with my therapist because I know it's not my responsibility, but like, I I do want to help, but I don't want to do it out of a place of resentment. So that's a whole, a whole nother thing. Um, but I would just say that when I first found her, or even when I was younger fantasizing about her, like I never envisioned, uh, me having to go through this kind of relationship and these feelings that I have and the sense of responsibility, but also it's not my responsibility. And it's, it's just a sticky situation now. Yeah. So. so was was that relationship the main, you said there were, uh, uh, you're talking about with your therapist, was was that the situation, was that situation, the situation with your uh, birth mother, the, fu- the the fundamental driver for, for going into therapy? Was it that, that, was that you wanted to deal with or, or were there other factors as well? Or um, yeah, I think there's just other factors. It definitely played a huge part. Um, I just, I know that therapy in general can be so beneficial. I think everyone should use therapy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, my therapist isn't specifically like an adoption therapist. I've never had one, uh, like adoptee specific therapist, but I do talk about my adoption quite a bit and it seems to help, you know, just to be able to get it out. Cause a lot of stuff, I don't even realize I'm holding in until I just start talking and then stuff comes out and I'm like, wow, I, I guess this is bothering me more than I realized um so yeah 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 um so what 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 does what does healing look for you like uh well sorry what does healing look like and feel like for you then um I would say it it feels like being gentle with myself regardless of what feelings come up even if I can't make sense of them or even if it seems like um you know, there are times I might feel anger uh, towards my biological mom and and I don't want to feel that, uh, but also allowing myself to feel what I need to feel in any moment that I have an emotion. Um, but also it looks like me talking about it to people that I know are a support system for me, whether it be my parents or my therapist or my husband or my friends people that, that know about my story, um, especially leaning into other adoptees. That's been a huge support system for me. Um, there's a group on Facebook called the Adopted from Columbia page, which has been great because um, there's, I mean, there's a wide range of experiences on the page, but it's just really nice to have a group of people from Columbia. Um, you know, some have connected, uh, you know, are in reunion and some haven't. Um, and that's a place that I like to vent sometimes. Um, and it does, you know, it helps me feel seen and heard and validated. And also a huge part of my healing journey has been sharing my book because this story was such, uh, it, it made such a big impact on me. It felt almost selfish to not share it with others. Uh, initially, I wanted to share uh, share it with other Colombian adoptees that might not be able to find their birth families and maybe they could live vicariously through my experience. Um, but also what I've learned through sharing it is that a lot of other people get stuff out of it too. And it's been very validating for people to read what I went through and um, kind of see how I came out on the other side of it. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm like healed 
I'm definitely still on my healing journey. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So what does, uh, um, what does whole mean for you then? Whole? Whole, yeah. Um, so I, 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 by whole, I mean the end of the healing journey. It, uh, does, that, does that look like there is one? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if there is one. I don't know if there ever will be. I think it's more of um, the, me, you know, having more tools in my toolbox, you know, as they say, or, or more coping mechanisms, uh, more, um, you know, more, more outlets to, to lean into when I need that extra support. Because ultimately, you know, you know, you talked about the primal wound. There's some stuff that I just think there's so many layers that I don't know if I can consciously get to this place of healing. I mean, maybe one day I'll get hypnotized and someone can just like snap their fingers and all of a sudden I'm healed. I mean, I don't know, but I don't, I don't really foresee like a day where I don't ever feel affected by adoption. Like, a, you know, maybe one, you know, it's not that I always feel that every day, but ultimately it's a part of part of my experience, part of my life experience. And I do think uh, it's made me, I'm better off because of it. And it's not just because I got lucky and, you know, all that stuff we talked about before. It's more of that I've had to go through the, you know, the growing pains and that's made me stronger of a person. Um, and even, you know, the disappointments that I may have faced with, you know, relationships that I had anticipated being one way with my birth family, but ended up being different than I expected. That's painful. And I've had to work through that. And I feel strong because I've had to work through that. It's made me stronger in other relationships, you know? Um, so I just think I will, I don't want to say that I'm like always going to be broken or anything like that. I just think I'll always be growing. There's always room for growth and healing to continue. And, um, and when I may think that I'm good, like, who knows if another, you know, layer is going to pop out of nowhere. <laughs> so, yeah. So kind of my, I, my take on this is that uh, it's a bit kind of counter, I think, to a lot of people's take. And okay. it's, it's about, uh, so I, I think uh, stage one, is 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 seeing who we are right and mm -hmm. that's a that's a, a a landmark moment uh I, I, and then uh, and the rest of our lives are um the rest of our lives consist of forgetting who we are remembering who we are forgetting who we are remembering who we are but i, I would i would couch it in in those terms um does that yeah actually that makes a lot of sense because it honestly feels like a roller coaster the whole journey just feels like a roller coaster there are times where I'm like oh I'm good and there are times where I'm like okay this is affecting me and there are times where things uh I've experienced you know different emotions and stuff where I, I may have assumed it's just part of the human experience but then later on after talking to other adoptees I've realized oh there's a common theme here this could be related to my adoption and not just because this is part of the human experience okay so uh does this stuff interest you this what we're talking about now yeah the, the human experience yeah. so I want to I want to share um I want to share a post 
that I put on uh, Facebook the other day because I, I, um, uh, 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 let's see if I've I've never really had a, I've I've never really had an in-depth discussion about this. So I'm getting comments on Facebook on it, but, uh, okay. but, uh, I mean, Oh, I can't find it. That's so hopeless. Oh, no. Uh, Maybe you can search. Oh, yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Right. So here we are. Um, I often use this quote. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yeah. I love that quote. I actually have painted that quote on a sign. Uh -huh. I love that quote. So... But I've never really explained what I mean by that it, it, succinctly and, and clearly. So I'm reading it to you because I'd love to hear your expert, uh, ex, um, your um, your take on that. So so the question is, how does that quote relate to being an adoptee? So so number one, trauma is in the human experience. Mm -hmm. Number one. Two, but we are spiritual beings. We're spiritual beings. So that although trauma is part of our experience, it is not who we are. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Um, and then number three, disidentifying from our trauma reveals our true identity. We can look at identity at many levels. Uh, I... Uh, I, I mean our most fundamental level, our essence, that which never changes. I love that. Um, so actually, when I went to Columbia for the first time, I had this almost out-of-body experience while I was there. I remember I was standing in the street of a very busy area where there's a lot of people selling stuff. And it was just like this whole new world to me. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, and I, in that moment, thought about my hometown here in Georgia and how insignificant it felt because everyone around me probably never even heard of that town before. And everything everyone in that town is doing is doing things differently than the people in this town. And everything was just so different. And it really made me realize, like you were saying, you know, it's, I, I almost like have this envision of a soul. And then we just like take on all these outer human experiences that this soul is supposed to experience but the soul is still the soul it's not the person is not all the experiences and I guess what I realized in that moment it was kind of a spiritual awakening in a sense um of like nothing really matters and I just had like like everything I've ever known is just kind of an idea it's a story it's it's not me like what I I am that I am, you know, that, that phrase, I am that I am, I am, I am, I just am. That's all. I just am. And then everything on top of that is just what I'm experiencing as a human. So that's how I see yeah. that phrase. Okay. So lovely, brilliant. Uh, this is, this is my playground. This is where I love <laughs> to play, right? Okay. So can the soul, your soul, as you see it, can that be wounded? 
I guess no. You know, I think, uh, I think it's kind of what you were saying, the forgetting and remembering it's sometimes we forget we are that soul. And that's when we start to feel the weight of the human experience. And we start to maybe internalize it as being a, who we are. But then we remember, wait, that's not who I am. This is all external. I am still the soul. And actually, I'm very big into yoga and meditation. And that's uh, for the for the reason of remembering that truth. Because it's so easy to go out into the world, go to work every day and get and forget. And and, uh, you know, maybe let certain, uh, you know, situational problems at work or whatever uh, weigh heavy on me or, or take up my headspace. Uh, and then I have to remember, hold on, that's all temporary anyways, like, and, and not, and not so important in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, is it easy to do all, all the time? No, <laughs> but I do try to uh, intentionally at some point every day, take a couple minutes to just close my eyes and breathe and, and recenter myself. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I do try. So, um, here's, here's one, I'm going to ask you a risque question here, right? So if I'm out of order, just tell me, right. And I'm sorry, listeners, if you don't like this, right. I, I, I apologize for any, uh, offense caused does soul have a color i don't think so i just see light i just imagine light but yeah. who am i to say i mean i don't know well, no, 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 but you, you're you're the best this is the thing right <laughs> this is the lucky thing yeah. we get to pick what we believe is our identity right we get to pick that right I, I, I'm just asking, I, I'm just asking questions. Like. Yeah. And actually one thing that I will say, so I have my book right here, it's called yeah. Home Sweet Casa, but this little subtitle here is A Journey to the Universal Soul and that's of the universal heart, sorry. But that was kind of where it was coming from was that we can all reach that place of, of this realization when like like when I was in um, Colombia and I had this out of body experience, we can all we're all able to tap into that inner part of us that our souls. And when we're in that place, it's actually a lot easier to connect with each other because you kind of realize we're one and the same. Um, and so that was actually a big part of why I had added a journey to the universal heart. And because I was in that state a lot, my first trip. You know, I went to Colombia. I had no translator. I didn't hardly, I hardly knew any Spanish. Um, I really was just forced to be in a, a place of just being. And um, it helped me to just connect on like a deeper level with my biological family that I, I never thought it was possible to connect with, you know, a, a, a stranger, you know, because they really are strangers to me at that point. Um, on that deep of a level and it really felt like it was a heart-centered thing and I didn't reach that heart space for nothing I mean it 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 was the soul it was the soul and I always say we spoke the language of the soul um yeah so yeah this is kind of my playground too actually <laughs> okay cool um see I, I think we get really, really confused about identity. We, we as human 
human yes. beings, right? I agree. We we as human beings would get buried, all of us, adoptees, mm-hmm. adoptees in particular, right? Because you like even at its most yeah. basic level, I was David Anthony Flower, and then I became Simon Jonathan Ben. I didn't know that I was David Anthony Flower mm-hmm. for five weeks of my life. Was I David Anthony Flower? When did I transition from right, right? You know, like, you, yeah. like you could like so. So my birth mother took me to a short-term foster, foster mom, I think. Then she had, so she relinquished me once, and this is what I think happened. Then she, so did I stop becoming David Anthony Flower then? When uh, and who was I then? Oh, and then she picked me back up then when I was like five weeks old, and then and she. So like yeah. it's it's like oh 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 who am I? Right. Well, the truth never changes. I always think like I, I I literally have this vision, you know, it's like this light and then we add labels on it. We add all these labels, you know, your, your name is a label. Uh, your origin country is a label. I'm Colombian. That's a label. Adopted is a label. Daughter is even a label. I mean, we have all these labels and, and it's so easy to to take that and, and say, that's who I am. But really, if you take all that stuff away, we're still that light. Yeah. So see, people now are starting to do this. People, uh, adoptees are starting to do this, and I can tell that you've done that, right? Um, that they are writing memoirs that talk about this stuff at some level to, to some percentage, at some percentage, right? But they're still memoirs, they're, mm-hmm. they're still memoirs, so they're focused on the focus on the story. Right. And I don't know what your because I haven't read your um, your, your your book. Um, I, I don't know what percentage of your story, sorry, what percentage of your book is story, uh, and what percentage of your book is um, let's call it I don't know what would you call it soul exploration, mm-hmm. soul realization, soul stuff. Yeah, I would. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, you. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like my book in particular is a nice combination of the two because my book originally was my journal that I brought to Columbia. I was journaling the whole time I was there. I was just getting all of those raw emotions out onto the paper. And later I took that journal and I transformed it into a book. So the reader is essentially going on that soul journey with me as I'm experiencing the story of me meeting my biological family. So it's kind of unique in that sense. Um, but I would say it's a nice combo of the two, for sure. Um, it's probably... A, so what I want to see, right? <laughs> not from you, but what I think should happen... <laughs> <laughs> is that we need more of this we need more of this soul exploration right mm-hmm. um, but but people are looking for stories aren't they you know like if we think uh, and as I, I i'm seeing that i'm seeing i'm laughing at my own stuff here right because i'm thinking that this is the right way to do it but then if we look at the stories that films tell you you kind of you bring people in on the entertainment level mm-hmm. uh, and then hopefully you point, you, you help them to a realisation as well. I mean, there was this term for it, wasn't there, um, in a slightly different way, was edutainment. They came up with this term. 
entertainment, uh, not not in re- not yeah. really in relations to books, yeah. books and uh, but that would be more like um, gameplay on the yeah yeah the gameplay on the internet, a game with some learning embedded, you know, embedded learning. Right, right. But, um, my feeling is my feeling is that uh, my, my feeling is so one of the reasons I haven't. Um, written my book is because I've been unsure of of the combination of the structure. Mm-hmm. I've started it three times, um, and I've and I've put a lot of work into it, like ten thousand, twelve thousand words. But I'm never sure quite. I've never been quite sure of what the combination is. Yeah, my I've I've got this feeling that we need to dial up the. Soul exploration, the soul mm-hmm. exposition. Actually, I don't know. I don't. I've never used that word before. But you know, let let let's bring the soul out. Let's bring this to the forefront. Right. Uh, maybe we're still in a place where we need to um, uh, embed embed this within a memoir. Uh, what's actually coming to my mind with all this stuff is that. If we think, right, so I, I'm with you on the soul stuff. So I believe that me being interested in this, I, I'm looking for the soul, the soul exposition mm-hmm. teacher that exposes the soul. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm interested in. And I, I haven't come across, um, or, or the, the best people that I've come across at this are non-adoptees. Okay. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, so my question really is like, where, where is the um, uh, Brene Brown or Eckhart Tolle or Don Miguel Ruiz or um, my favorite guy that I met, name check all the time, Rupert Spira? Where, where is the guy? Where, where is the girl? Where is, where is the kind of the um, the person that's gonna be that's going to show fellow adoptees or point fellow adoptees to their souls and and as i say that i think well that's what i'm trying to do mm-hmm. yeah but i'm not trying to do it on my own yeah i'm i've just i've just figured this out now I'm getting goosebumps for a good reason. Right? <laughs> so I, I'm not trying to do this on my own because I'm not an Eckhart Tolle. I'm not a, a Brene Brown. I'm not a Don Miguel Ruiz. The way I want to do it is in conversation, right? Because writing is a, a lonely yeah. experience for me. I mean, yeah. you're writing it on the, uh, I guess, did you write, you were, you were journaling in your hotel room or you're journaling on the plane? Like you were journaling, you were on your own, you had some time. Right. Yeah, right. is that how, how it works? Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, but for me, I, I would be I would be taking time away from conversation to write. Yeah. And I, I prefer talking to writing. I prefer, yeah. I prefer dialogue to monologue. Yeah. I actually prefer dialogue as well. Um, however, this book almost felt like a necessity. The, the journaling felt like a necessity to me because I had so much going on inside of me at the time that it needed just needed to get out. 
And since I had no one with me who spoke English for me to talk right. to, and at that time, like in order to call people from another country, you would need a phone card. And it was just too complicated. There wasn't WhatsApp. Or, and I don't, I don't even, I think we had some, we had Skype at that time, but I don't know, for whatever reason, it just wasn't as easy. And so um, I had to get it out yeah. and I just journaled yeah, and, um, and I, I love all those people that you just mentioned, Brene Brown, Eckhart Tolle and um, Don, Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh yeah, I agree. There's really not anyone like that in the adopted community. And I, it's kind of like, I want to do the same thing. I don't want to, however, I agree. I don't feel like I can just do it alone. Um, and it's a sensitive thing to do because at the same time, you have to be mindful and uh, sensitive to what adoptees go through. And there are a lot of people who are not ready to to take that to change that their perspective quite yet uh maybe they're still in that resentment or in that anger or that they're in that volcano stage that you had mentioned before we recorded um and so you don't want to just say well don't worry you don't feel that no, you can't you're do just that this, you're just a, a light and you just don't know it you know you you can't approach it like that so um i think it's important to meet people where they're at and maybe you're right maybe um embedding it in a book right now or, or even um, I mean, and, and you know, sometimes just it's a lot to digest for anyone. Um, so and it's you know. and it's the most yes, it is, and and it is the and it is the most important um meal of our lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what do you think trauma does to the soul? Oh, if anything. Ah. <sighs> I don't know. I really don't have an answer. Okay. What do you think it does? I've spent a lot of time thinking. I, I, you know, I've said earlier on. Sometimes I have answers. Some ask Sometimes I ask questions. Yeah. I don't have an answer. <laughs> I asked this question. It was a loaded question. It wasn't loaded, actually. It wasn't loaded. I'm asking your opinion, right? Uh, I I think it veils the soul. Yeah, I, I think that's a good description because I don't think it destroys the soul. I think it uh, maybe it makes it harder for the soul to shine because yeah. now there's layers of protection and and you yeah. you you don't feel as comfortable being as open. Yeah, because, you you know, our bodies, our bodies, our physical bodies uh, have re reactions to things. Um, you know, we have triggers when things remind us of trauma oh and, no, not, not me that's a joke oh, that's a joke okay i was like that's wait what <laughs> who are you are you an alien <laughs> um, at, at the moment i'm i'm struggling because my swimming pool we've got the, the, the you know the kids the kids holidays uh-huh kids holidays another local swimming pool is shut so i i can't get i can't get into my i can't get into my swimming pool and do my laps because uh -huh. it's full of uh, and it's raining. It's been raining in England for a long time, right? We've, we've, right. So kids can't play outside. So parents take their kids to the swimming pool. So the bit that's normally full of uh, older people, uh -huh. likely, um, uh, is is now full of kids, and all the slower swimmers are in the in the faster lane, right? Uh -huh. I'm not good at any sports, but swimming, I'm good at, right? I'm sh yeah. Um, so they're all in there. And, 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 and that is 
that is, you know, that is the, um, you know, the, the first world problem that I'm dealing with at the moment. I'm having to walk my dog twice a day because I can't bear to be in the swimming pool um, plugged up behind all these slow swimmers, right? So, yeah. So that's the, yeah. I've like also problem. experienced that as well because I do enjoy swimming as well. But I'm waiting until all the kids go back to school and then I will go back to the gym and swim. So, um, yeah, have you heard of uh, endarkenment? No. Okay. Well, so we're all looking for enlightenment. Okay, yeah. Heard of enlightenment. Um, but you you said you've used the word light about three or four times and um it's it's pricked my ears up but i haven't used it so now i'm using my so so the idea is this is this is the this is the idea as as i said we are the light okay the soul is the light and that soul or light is endarkened by the trauma yeah so we don't need to we don't need to do anything other than lift the veil. Yeah. The the big challenge that we have as a, a adoptees, and, and like because I'm putting stuff out on Facebook at the moment, is like, uh I, I just asked this question, are we our trauma? Yeah. Are we, are we it's a yes no question. Yeah. And and and, and the, the you know, you're, you're shaking your head. Uh, uh, this is right yeah so we are not our trauma because our trauma is in the human experience so well yeah it, it's it, it, yeah at the soul level so you so you've got the human level and the soul level right uh -huh. so the human level the human is traumatized right the soul level the soul level or what you know a spiritual being as pierre Thea de chardin or what I did do French for eight years at school. I should be able to pronounce that, but I can't for some silly reason. Anyway, so um, yeah, the, the the trauma is in the human experience. It's not in the spiritual being, and it, and and separating us. Have you you seen me doing the diamond in the diamond hidden in the clenched fist? You might not see me. <laughs> yeah, I can see your fist going. Yeah. But I do like that word in darkened because I just I don't know where I got it from. I don't think it was mine. But. I just envision a, a lampshade. Like we're living with a bunch of lampshades on us and we can take them off little by little, but that requires us to go through the healing process of those. What caused those it, lampshades? It, it, it is the healing process. Yeah. I, I think I love the lampshade analogy. You know, like, uh, uh, and um, yeah, I love the lampshade thing, and, and, but yeah, it, I, to me, it, it is that. So. Okay, I see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll put a link to it on the show notes. So this clenched fist is my analogy for trauma because... You mentioned anger. I mentioned anger. I mentioned the volcano, just a metaphor for anger, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. White knuckling it. White knuckling it. Stress. Mm -hmm. Tense. Angry. Terrified. Whatever. Uh, all, all that negative, all that, you know, uh, oh, you'll love this. Uh, I came up with this a couple of months ago. Trauma is a toxic cocktail of insecurity anger and fear 
Hmm. Yeah. But, but we are the cocktail glass, not its contents. Ah, I do like that. Uh, yeah. You can use that with kids, right? Because you can't because yeah. cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. Right. So, so what we're doing is we're separating how we feel traumatized mm-hmm. from who we are. And it's just different metaphors for that. So the clenched fist is the trauma. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not the natural, clenched is not the natural uh, position of our hand. The natural position of our hand is flat and open. So we unfurl the fingers. We reveal the diamond underneath. So the diamond is the soul. Mm-hmm. It is, it is the light. It is endarkened because it, it's endarkened in the darkness of the clenched fist. It, it's dark in the middle of my hands because the lights can't get in. Yeah, and that makes total sense because when you're living out of insecurity and fear and trauma, like naturally you're going to clench up because you're trying to protect yourself. It's like a, a natural reaction. Um, yeah. So- when, the kids are, when the kids are coming, for, when nine kids... Are jumping me and my mate on the basis that we go to a different school. Like, yeah, y- you're not going to go Dalai Lama on them. You're not going to go Eckhart Tolle. Right. On them, yeah, yeah. This, you shall pass. Hard to no. shine your light in those moments. No, no, no. You're gonna, you're gonna cut. You're gonna cover up and protect yourself as best as right. you can. Right. So, um, wow. Yeah, but this is the playground, right? This is the playground. And um, but when I put that stuff on, like, are we our trauma? Most people are still saying yes. Well, they're not saying yes. They're giving, yeah. you know, that tech because n- nobody's told us. Uh, you know, I've been looking at this stuff for fourteen years, and, and and somewhere along the line, I've realized that I am not my trauma. Right. Uh, Same. And it's landed for me. Yeah. But I'm lucky in that it's landed for me, and it. You know, it, it's landed for you somehow along the way. Yeah, and I don't remember a specific instance oh. where I was like, oh, I'm not my trauma, you know? Yeah. Um, but I definitely have reached to that point where I I just kind of know that um, that I'm not. And, I, and I'm not my emotions. And I'm not my well, thoughts. Yeah, because trauma is emotions. Yeah. It's like, no, but nobody know. tells that. Nobody tells us that. Right? Yeah. Nobody tells us that. Well, what is trauma? Well, it's a top te- it's a top it's a toxic cocktail of anger, fear, and insecurity. Terror. It's yeah. it's 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 um feelings are subconscious thoughts, right? You know, like we feel them in the pit of our stomach because we've got right. all those that's the solar plexus has got the highest mm-hmm. uh, concentration of what's it? You'll know this from this from yoga, I guess. Yeah, um... I don't know what specific way you're looking for, but I am aware of the chakras and how they all correlate to how we feel. Um, so even that is something that no one really talks about. Nobody talks about. And it's important because as humans, we're all, we all are affected by this. And I, when we're in our trauma and when we're in that survival mode, we're definitely not, We our chakras are definitely not in alignment. We're not balanced. Um and that's a, another reason I, I really try to make an effort. I could be trying harder, honestly, but 
to do some kind of centeredness every day, whether it be a little bit of yoga, a little bit of meditation, something to bring me back to my myself because um yeah, it's just so easy for the the world to to stick, you know, this is the sign yeah. language well now my sign language. Um but to be aware that that's happening gives you a sense of power and a sense of control and a sense of freedom and you know because then you can use your tools and you know my tools maybe yoga meditation whatever um to to not let I don't want to live in that state of clinchness I want to be open and I the more in tune I am with myself the more I can catch when I am starting to close up if that makes sense yeah, I, I think our openness is veiled. Yeah. So um, something I, I picked up today, I'm listening to... Uh, I, I, I listened to a guy a couple of years ago and then I've gone back to him. as a guy called um, Richard Lang. Uh, L-A-N-G. And he... He... he he talks about surrendered, right? So we've we've got we, we either resist or we surrender. But the, the the we that surrenders and the the we that resists is the same thing. It's the it's the little we. It's the soul. The soul doesn't do that. But the soul has already surrendered. You know, it's it it, it it's, yeah. it's not. It, the soul doesn't do anything. It just is. Right. It is, it is surrendered. It is open. So if we're trying to, if, 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 if from little Simon, I'm trying to surrender, that's a tough game because I've, well, I've got to try, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but if we, if, uh, but the Simon's soul is surrendered already, but that, that surrendered is, is kind of veiled. That make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. It does make sense. It's like, um, I, I just, I, in other terms, I see that that light is always shining, you know, and we're trying to make it shine, but it's already there. It's, it's ready. Yeah, yeah. It's ready to, for us to step into. And no, like I said before, I, I've got I, a, I've got a course though. I've got a course and I'm going to show you how to turn, turn your lumens up, right? You're, you're working at, I, I can see that you're working. You're only working at forty watts, and that you need to work at a hundred watts. And if you, if you pay me nine dollars ninety nine a month, <laughs> I'll show you. Do you mean I'm joking, right? The whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's the whole thing. It's like no, no, you're not shining. I can tell you how to shine. No, yeah, no, we're already shining. It's just right, there. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, check out. This is this is one. If you're into this, if you're into this stuff, uh, listeners, I think, and I think you might be interested in this, Mar- Mariella. If people are still listening now, right? I mean, I will be impressed. I will be yeah. impressed. Well, we'll never know, right? We'll never know. I don't get we'll that. Never know. Detail. Well, maybe. Uh, do you have like? I, I guess podcasts don't really have comments, do they? Uh, no, I get very. I get occasionally. I get an email out of the blue saying I love the podcast. Yeah, maybe we'll both get an email, and, and maybe we will. It's really resonated with me, and I'll be. I'll be quite yeah. impressed. So, w- what if? meditation is what we are not something we do Hmm. 
yeah, honestly, uh, it, you know, they say meditation is a practice because it's so hard to just sit there and like turn off your brain, you know, um, with all, all these thoughts, this influx of thoughts, so hard to just make it stop. Uh, but, but when we come back to the breath and just focus on that, you can, even if just temporarily just be, and just, you just are, and that's it. And that's enough. And that's enough. That's all we have to do is just be, but I think we put a lot of expectations on ourselves to, uh, have to be other things, but actually we just need to be. (laughs) So the, it's it's such a, a, a deep concept. I don't even it's hard to even put into words, you know. Yeah, it is. Um, that uh, that's a Rupert Spira thing. Meditation is what we are, not what we do. So I I, I like credit him for that. Um, so, w- what would you like to call this episode of the Thriving Adoptees? Ooh, I really don't know. Do you have any ideas? I got nothing right now. I haven't seen your other episode names to see kind of. I, I try different. I try different things. Uh, well, no. What, what was the title? What's the subtitle of your book again? A journey to the universal heart. Sounds like a good idea. I'll use the subtitle. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I had I was coming up with something uh, like, uh, uh, but it sounds a bit rude. So yeah, I'll say it anyway. Start to finish. Um, exposing the adoptive soul. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I like it, but also maybe not. Yeah. Soul <laughs> exposure. Yeah. Okay, maybe that when we when we do the next one, we'll do it on. Yeah, the I would so. love for you. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback if you do read my book. I would love to hear what you think of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, have you got an audio version of it? Not yet. It is in the plans, but I. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I find time. <laughs> yeah, and there's some. It's it's tricky to it's it's expensive to do. Yeah. Yeah, I have um some microphone equipment that I could potentially use here. I don't know the quality. I need to kind of play around with it on my computer, but I am kind of thinking I might want to wait and invest into a more professional studio, some kind of setup. Um, I just don't want to waste time using more equipment. So I'm kind of waiting, but I am working on a children's book that hopefully will be done by the end of the year. I anticipate that it will be, and it ties in all of this as well. Cool. Um, so yeah cool that um thanks a lot mariella uh thank you listeners longer we've run longer than usual um that's because normally i've got an hour because i'm into the next call but we're doing this on a saturday so um right. yeah yeah well it was a lovely discussion lovely discussion uh, interesting turn but this isn't something that i get the pleasure of talking about very often so i'm really glad that we have this common interest um love to have another conversation later maybe after you read my book we'll see um and yeah let's stay in contact i did uh also uh, go and listen to that um 
the class you t that you did on how to sell more books. Um, so thank you for doing that. And um, yeah, let's stay in contact. Maybe uh, I, I think I have your Instagram. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Lots of love listeners. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye. Right, thanks.